Thanks, Ian and Kath. Uh, I'd love you to have open Deuteronomy chapter 5 in front of you. That would be really handy. If you don't have a Bible, just jump up now if you like and grab one from the foyer as I sort myself out here in front of us. Friends, it is such a privilege to be here together. Um, I've got lots of friends in ministry who are all locked down and uh, even around uh, yet close by who can't meet together and we can meet in person and that's a great privilege and great to be able to open the Word of God together and, um, and encourage each other in that too. There's an outline in your bulletin that you might want to get open in front of you. That'll help you to follow along how we're going. You might want to write some things down. We're going to aim to have a Q&A afterwards and so um, through the muffled... Uh, face masks but we'll give it a go and if you're watching at home and I know many of you will be we're going to try to put this video up as soon as we can today or maybe as soon as we can Um, and so uh, if someone's away from church today you can let them know the video will be there on our YouTube channel if you're watching at home great to have you here with us Um, and why don't I pray for us as we look at God's word let's pray Father thank you for your your word to us today Uh, thank you Lord God for um, the privilege it is to meet together when so many are, are unable to do that in person. So we thank you for that. We pray, Lord, that we, we would take advantage of this time by um, understanding more about, about you and your ways and the goodness that you give us that is um, the Ten Commandments, but more importantly, um, your Son, our Lord Jesus. Amen. So we're really continuing on in our series on Deuteronomy. Uh, we looked at chapter 4 last week. Chapter 5 this week as we look at these Ten Commandments that were given by Moses to the people as they were just about to head into the Promised Land. That's where we're going, that's where we're up to. Uh, there's a whole lot of this sort of stuff on the, um, on the net. If you look up Ten Commandments, I thought that was funny. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'll I tell you another one. The two, um, so two priests were talking and when one of them tells the other that his brand new push bike had been stolen. He says that it must have been a member of his congregation because he saw it there at church. He last saw it there at church. So the other priest who's talking, he says, well, this Sunday during your service, have your congregation recite the Ten Commandments and hopefully the thief will feel guilty and then come forward. So the two priests left off on their merry way. A week later, they met up again. And the first priest happily reports that he got his bicycle back. So the Ten Commandments worked, the second priest said. Yes, answered the first priest. We got to number five, honour your father and mother, and then I remembered where I left it. <laughs> so the, the, the Ten Commandments, um, well, you know what? The Ten Commandments, it's one of the most, it, it's, it's one of the most well-known pieces of religious literature in the world you'd have to say. Uh, but they're never actually called the Ten Commandments. Literally, the Hebrew phrase means ten words. Uh, that's why they're often referred to by theologians as the Decalogue. Uh, Deca, meaning that's the Greek word for ten, and then logos, or log, the Greek word for word. Decalogue. But, of course, the Ten Commandments were not just given so that we could win pub trivia contests with useless bits of information like that. Um, they were given so God's people could follow them and learn them. So Moses, prior to, 
preaching through the Ten Commandments, in Deuteronomy 5 verse 1, I'd love you to have it open in front of you, Moses says, he summoned all of Israel and said, Hear Israel, the decrees and laws I declare to you in your hearing today, learn them and be sure to follow them. God expects his people to know them, to, to learn them, to follow them, but for the right reasons. So today I'm going to give you, you can see in your outline, I'm going to give you five reasons why we should obey the Ten Commandments. But I want you to imprint this on your brain, and we're going to keep coming back and forward to it as well. Working hard to obey the Ten Commandments from the wrong motivation and for the wrong end is a surefire way to live out our relationship with God in the wrong way. What's the right way? Well, we see the Ten Commandments through the lens of Jesus. We see the Ten Commandments through the lens of the cross, through the cross. We'll come back to that quite a few times. So what does Deuteronomy 5 teach us then? Well, God gave the Ten Commandments that we might learn them and follow them, not to earn salvation. And But you can see in your outline here, God gave us the Ten Commandments because of, one, who we are, two, who God is in himself, Three, who he is to us, four, where we are, and five, what he has done. That's the direction we're going this morning, and I hope you can follow along with me. But first, I, I was thinking about this during the week. I, I think we live in a, I'm going to call it a paradoxical age. Let me explain that. Where people will say right and wrong is what you decide for yourself. Uh, and yet these same people will, re will rebuke others for violating any number of assumed commands. You see, as a society, I'll give you an example. As a society, we may be quite free and liberal when it comes to sex and sexuality, right? But we can be absolutely fundamentalist when it comes to the moral claims of sex and sexuality, uh, sexual identity, the old four-letter words may not scandalise us as much any longer, but now there are other words, often slurs and insults, that will quickly put someone out of polite company. Let's be clear. You see, we're, we're still a society with a moral code, but just that moral code keeps shifting. But the Bible says, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs the way, we find, the way we find moral instruction isn't by listening to your gut or isn't by going by how you feel or following the 2021 moral code, but it's by listening to God. If we want to know right from wrong, if we want to know how to live the good life, if we want to know how to live in a way that blesses our friends and neighbours, we'd be wise to do things God's way, which means paying careful attention the Ten Commandments. So let's do that now. Uh, here we go. Reason number one. I'm going to go through this pretty quickly too. Reason number one why we should learn and follow the Ten Commandments. Reason number one says, well, who we are. Exodus 19 and 20 is another account of the Ten Commandments, but Exodus 19 and 20 are the historical account of how the commandments were given. So they follow from the Exodus, the Red Sea, the plagues, that type, that 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 uh, context and into Moses giving the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments being given to God's people. Deuteronomy 5, where we are today, records Moses' preaching on those Ten Commandments. In fact, this is the start of a very, very long sermon 
that Moses gave, it starts in Deuteronomy 5. And remember, Deuteronomy is, it has four major sort of sermons or speeches in it. The first one's pretty short, the second one starts here. But let's not miss the obvious. Exodus 19 comes, comes before Exodus 20. If you've got your Bibles there, you could flick back to Exodus 19 just for a moment if you've got it. And let me explain why that's important. Exodus 19 coming before Exodus 20. In Exodus 19, verse 6, in fact, I do have it up on the screen as well. Exodus 19, verse 6, God has already identified the Israelites, God's people, as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You can see that in verse 6. So he's identified them as that. Has he given the law yet? No, he hasn't. He does that in chapter 20. They are a people set apart by God, by God's redeeming, rescuing work. He's already rescued them from the Red Sea, from Egypt. Friends, this is the same. It's true for us too. The New Testament tells us as Christians, we too are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You can set up on the screen there. We must be prepared to stand alone, to look different, to have rules that the world doesn't like because we're a holy nation, a people of God, a spiritual nation, not a, not a, a political nation, a spiritual nation of God. Of course, we aren't always the holy people we should be, but that's what God has called us to be. That's who we are. We are God's people set apart to live God's ways. So that's the first reason why we need to listen to and uh, learn the Ten Commandments, because of who we are. We're God's people. God's people set apart to live God's ways. Reason number two, who God is. You can jump back to Deuteronomy now if you want to. The opening commandments, so 1 to 4, and you'll find them in Deuteronomy um, 5, 6, 6 to 15, they're not just fillers. They're not just fillers waiting for the real stuff to get going. No, no, they establish who God is and why we should obey him. See in verse 2 of Deuteronomy 5, through Moses God reveals himself again as the Lord, that is, as their covenant-keeping Lord. This is the same God who spoke uh, to Moses in the burning bush. This is the, the same God uh, who spoke to them face to face and out of the mountain, out of the fire of the mountain, recorded in Exodus 19. This is the sovereign, self-existent, self-sufficient, almighty creator God. This is the God of the plagues. This is the God of the Red Sea. This is the God of the manna in the wilderness. Same God. This is not a God you mess around with. This is what one commentator said. If there is a God and if he is anything like the God revealed to us in the scriptures, then it would be extremely presumptuous, foolish, and by all, all accounts dangerous for us to crowdsource our own ethical code. Make it up ourselves. See, the law and the law, the Ten Commandments are a summary of the law. Now, we've learned a lot about the law and how Jesus fulfills the law from our series on Galatians. So we'll touch on that a little while later again. But the law is, is an expression of the lawgiver's heart and character. We must think about that before we say, oh, I don't care about laws, or before we roll our eyes or when it comes to the thought of do's and don'ts. The commandments not only show us what God wants, they show us what God is like. They say something about his honour, his worth, his majesty. They tell us what matters to God. Friends, we can't disrespect the law without disrespecting the lawgiver. 
All right, reason number three. Reason number three, who God is to us. The God of the Ten Commandments is revealed not just as the Lord, but did you notice in Deuteronomy 5 verse 2, as the Lord your God. And even in Exodus 19 verses 5 and 6, I'll read it out to you. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all of the nations you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you'll be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We are his treasured possession. And 1 Peter 2 verse 9, when the, the, because of Jesus, God's people, the, the nation of Israel are uh, uh, redefined. We are a spiritual nation of God because of the cross. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. So this God of absolute power, you see, is not some capricious tyrant. Let me explain what that means. Not some unpredictable, changeable dictator. That's not God. Not some cranky deity who wields raw and unrestrained authority without any regard for his creatures. He's personal. He's a personal God. He knows you and me. And he's always for us. He is the Lord, your God. He's the God that, that, that in Christ nothing separates us from his love. It would be frightening to the point of death, I think, if God thundered from the heavens, I am the Lord. But God's speaking of himself doesn't end there. He goes on to add, your God. You see, God is on our side. He's our Father. He gives us his commands for our good. All right, reason number four. Reason number four. Now, unlook, un, unlike the one-hit wonder by the soup dragons in the early 1990s, of course you'd know this, I'm free, remember that song? Um, the biblical definition of freedom is not doing what I want any old time. Anyone remember that song? It's a one-hit wonder, thank you. Someone does, Carl does, excellent. Yeah, very forgettable though, isn't it? Um, that's not free. Freedom is enjoying the benefits of doing what we should. We too often think of the Ten Commandments as restricting us, as if it's God's way to keep us slaves and from realising our dreams and reaching our potential. We forget that God wants us to live, uh, God wants us to live abundant life, life to the full. I'll put these verses up as well. Uh, from John 10, and, and true freedom, uh, as Jesus said, the truth will set you free. His, his laws, I think I've got this on, on oh, 1 John 5 verse 3, uh, tells us his laws are not a burden. The burden is the sin, and we've talked a lot about that. Although perhaps that's a bit what you think about the Ten Commandments. Maybe, you think, maybe it feels like a burden. Well, I, I was doing a bit of, I don't know, these things pop up when you're preparing for sermons sometimes, strange little tidbits. Um, I was thinking, well, that's, if, if we think the Ten Commandments are a burden, try living in, in, in the United States. I don't know if this actually works, but I'll share it with you anyway. Um, although Australia, you know, Australia is close to second in being the most litigious country in the world. We love taking people to court. Fantastic. Um, do you know that? Do you know how many laws there are in the United States? It's a bit of a trick question because no one knows there's that many. Uh, in 2010, an estimated 40,000 new laws were added at various levels throughout the country. 40,000 one year. In fact, the figure in Australia is not that much different. In the United, in the United States Code, it's called, uh, with, which, which is just one account of federal laws and 
does not include regulatory statutes. I actually don't know what that means, but that's okay. Um, has more than 50 volumes. When I was working for my father as um, he's an accountant when he was working, uh, and he had his own practice, so I, I was at uni and needed some extra cash, so I did some filing for him. And the filing I did was accountancy tax law. <laughs> wow. The amount of times I stopped and paused and just read it for fun. I never did that. Um, <laughs> There, I reckon these books would go from that speaker there to that speaker there and they're about that big and that thick and just lined up and so I would file away week in, week out these tax laws. Incredible. In, uh, back in the United States in 2008, there was this, a House committee was formed and asked the Congre uh, Congressional Research Service to calculate the number of criminal offences in federal law. They responded five years later saying that they lacked the manpower and resources to answer such a question. Wow, that's a lot of laws. Friends, God is not like that. He's not like that. He's, he's not trying to crush us with red tape and regulations. You see, the Ten Commandments are, are, are not prison bars. They're more like traffic laws. Let me explain. Now, there may be some anarchists out there who think the world would be a better place without traffic laws, and perhaps some of us may well drive like that. I hope not. Um, but even you know, if you get, even if you get a bit impatient when the, the light's red, uh, or you, you know, when you're trying to rush through a yellow, maybe overall we're glad there is some semblance of law and order. People stop and go. You know, they, 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 people slow down to 40 through school zones. They stop at pedestrian crossings. The truth is you wouldn't be able to drive to Woolies and back without laws. When you drive down Macquarie Pass and you get it, come to that first hairpin and there are those guardrails there, do you curse the guardrails that keep you from plunging to an untimely death? <laughs> of course we don't. Um, someone put them there at great expense for our good that we may travel freely and safely. That's the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are not instructions to get you out of Egypt. They are rules for a free people to stay free. Okay, final reason we obey the Ten Commandments, and, and I think, if I can say the most important one, what God has done. Let's remind ourselves again, because we need to, the law comes after the gospel, after the good news of redemption, deliverance, rescue. God didn't come to the people as slaves in Egypt and say, I have the Ten Commandments. I want you to get these right. I'm going to come back in five years and if you've gotten your life cleaned up, then I'll set you free from Egypt. Didn't happen that way. But that's how some people view Christianity. God has rules and if I follow the rules, God will love me and save me. But if you think that, you couldn't be more wrong about Jesus. That's not what God says. That's not the teaching of the Bible. That's not the teaching of the gospel. It's not what happened in the story of the Exodus. Grace comes first, every time. The Israelites were an oppressed people. And God said, I hear your cry. I'll save you because I love you. And when you are saved, free and forgiven, I'm going to give you a new way to live. Uh, Kevin DeYoung, he's an American author and pastor, he writes a lot of really good books. Uh, he hits the nail on the head. He says, salvation is not the reward for obedience. Salvation is the reason for obedience. 
It's not the reward for obedience, it's the reason for obedience. Jesus does not say, if you obey my commands, I'll love you. No, 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 when he got his disciples together on that last supper night, he washed their feet and he says to the disciples, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, you'll keep my commands. All of our doing is only because of what he has first done for us. Can we keep the commandments fully and perfectly? No, we can't. It's the very reason why we, we, we prayed together a prayer of confession at the start of the service. Do they show us our sin, the commandments? Yes, they do. They make us conscious of our sin. Dennis mentioned that at the start. It's from Romans 6. Do they lead us to the cross of Jesus? Absolutely, they must. But the commandments also show us how to live. They, the, the way to, to love our neighbour, the, the way to love God with our heart and soul. We still need the ten words, the Decalogue handed down at Sinai. Have they been changed in some respects by the coming of Christ? Well, yes. Yes, for sure. They've been transformed. Jesus says they've been fulfilled by his coming, not trashed. We don't get rid of them. Jesus says he, comes, he came to fulfill the law. You see, we can no longer keep the Ten Commandments rightly, as I said right in the very beginning, unless we see them through the lens of the cross. We see them in Christ. Through the lens of the cross, through Jesus, with a view to the all-surpassing greatness of our Lord Jesus. As new creations in Christ, the law is not only our duty, but also our delight. As Jesus says, if you want to love him as he deserves and he desires, well, we'll keep his commandments. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll see if anyone's got, anyone's got any questions or comments. As you can see, we didn't touch on specifically any of those commandments. Um, I, think, I think they're pretty obvious in some ways, but you might want to ask a question about them if you want to, um, or uh, anything else that comes up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your, um, uh, your love for us, your goodness and kindness, your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that that, that that order is so important, that it's grace first, and in response to your grace, we live our lives to you. Lord, help us to see the Ten Commandments, uh, not just as the Ten Commandments as they are, but through the lens of the cross. Lord, as we read them, as we learn and follow them, we thank you that we are forgiven. We know that we, we can't keep them. We know that we sin and we're sorry. And so, Lord, help us to keep looking at the cross, relying on you, Lord Jesus, being conscious of our sin and trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen.